Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode. We are talking today about how you can start to balance things if you are in one of those roles that loads of our clients are, where you have both the strategic priorities, so the things that you need to contribute in terms of strategic objectives, but also you have got a heavy operational workload. So your day-to-day stuff is taking up so much time and effort. How do you balance how you spend your, your time and energy? How do you make sure the strategic stuff still gets done? All of that kind of thing. So Pam, this is something that comes up a hell of a lot for my clients. And I would imagine it's probably similar for yours as well, where there's all these kind of conflicting of like, where the hell do I find the time when I've already got all of this to get done? Yeah. And it it does, it comes up a lot and it comes up in loads of different situations as well, because it's not just when you're in a role, this can happen when you're in a brand new role, when you're trying to work out where do I put the focus first, or it can even come up for my clients, particularly when they want to start a job search, but they're like, I've just got so much going on at work that that's the priority. So it's trying to work out how you juggle everything, isn't it? So how you get your workload in check. So you've got the time to think strategically and also to do other things outside of the day job as well. Yeah, and we've talked a few times in different episodes on some of the challenges that can happen when this is a situation. So we talked about what to do when your workload is overwhelming. We've talked about how to create boundaries and all of that stuff can be really useful. But I think what we recognized is we haven't done anything where we've really shared any kind of practical tools about how to prioritize. So if you do take some of the tips that we've shared of create some time to to create a plan, okay, but what's the structure? How do I actually go about doing that? And the generic advice that's always given with prioritizing is tends to be urgent, important. And the problem with the situation that we come across, or certainly that I come across with clients, I'm making an assumption that yours is similar, is that everything feels like it is important. Everything feels like it's urgent. And so it's really hard because you prioritize things. You've got a to-do list. There's so many things that are both important and urgent that you don't feel any further forward having spent the time to do it. So the framework we're going to cover today is one that I've shared with clients of mine, and it's been interesting, the response to it, because I think sometimes people are like, whoa, (laughs) no, I can't possibly. And other times, oh, that's really interesting. It's really useful. So it will be intriguing to see what the response is from the listeners. So the framework that I share with clients is an alternative to the urgent important matrix. And it's still a two by two matrix, but with this, what you're looking at is effort and impact. 
So what you're doing is understanding with the various tasks that you do and that you need to be doing, how much effort or energy or resource is going to need to go in to doing that thing and how much impact is it going to have when it's done. And so it's still a two by two matrix, but what you're doing is looking instead of how important and how urgent something is, how easy or hard is it to do and how much impact will it have when it's done. And when you start to think about that, you can do similar to what you would do with the urgent important matrix of you can literally get a post-it, write all the different things down and plot them onto this graph. And that's how I've used it whenever an in-person sessions with clients is we've literally had a flip chart and we've had a load of post-its and we've got people plotting where these things are. So Pam, as a first, first thought then, how does that one land with you? Yeah, it's different, isn't it, to like the usual urgent important thing that we've all kind of become accustomed to because everything that goes onto your to-do list all of a sudden is once it's on the list it, you need to tick it off it all becomes important a lot of it will be urgent and I always find that when you're in that situation that list just becomes longer and longer and you just don't get through it all do you and the, the more you try to get through the more things get added onto the bottom and the less things you actually get done so I actually really love this way of thinking it and it it is quite a different way of thinking isn't it and it's really interesting your views around it and one of the things that that I liked what you were talking about on the blog was thinking of the effort as feel that you put in a car and the impact on how far you can get because you don't really ever put the effort and the energy that it takes to actually complete a task into the picture do you when you're doing your to-do list you just create this massive list and then you're like I've just got to power through it and you don't take that into consideration or even prioritize based on energy levels do you? The thing with this when you think about it is that in effect what it does is just takes out urgency altogether and it looks at so the impact is effectively equivalent really to the importance. So you're still looking at how important is something, but in this way, what you're doing is framing that as what impact is it going to have when it's done? How important something is in effect is probably fairly well correlated to the impact. On the flip side though, you're not looking at timeframes on this. You're looking how easy or hard it is. So you're not looking at, is there a deadline? When is the deadline? And this is not to say, by the way, that we're advocating that you just chuck out everything with an urgent deadline and don't do it, but it's a different approach and a different way of of looking at things. And what you therefore are doing is essentially saying, okay, here's my little four grid box, but the things that I'm going to look to do first are the things that are low effort, but high impact. That's my quick wins box. That is where I can get something done that will have an impact that will not be hard to do. And I think there's real merit in understanding what those things are because it's all too easy on a big to-do list for them to get lost. And the benefit when you do something and you get it done and you get it ticked off is that feeling of, yes, you feel good for having done something It feels like you're making progress. It feels like you're making momentum. And so coming back to what you were saying about energy, 
it helps to maintain and create a sense of energy when you feel like you're making progress. On the flip side, the things that are high effort but low impact, they are the massive energy drains. They're the time suckers because, oh my God, there's too much effort and how much different, like no one's even going to notice when it's done. And those are the most soul-destroying things. And so if you're spending a lot of your time in that quadrant, then what you're going to find is that you're spending a lot of effort or energy for very little payback, very little impact. And so it's worthwhile understanding and challenging and asking that question of, do those things need to be done? And if they do, do they need to be done right now? And do they need to be done in the way that they've always been done? Or do we need to find a simpler or quicker or easier way? Or can we do them to a lower standard than what we would apply so that we then change that equation so that the impact might still be low, but actually at least if we're not having to put loads and loads of effort in, then it's not the ends of the world. So I really like that about this matrix is that way of it it just disregards the time constraints for the purposes of just undertaking the exercise and just really focuses on how important something is or isn't and how easy or hard it is to do. Because if you're finding those quick wins, we'll all recognize that feeling, won't we, of finding the quick wins and how good that feels. Yeah, and it is. It's a totally different way. Uh, it's a reframe, isn't it? It's a totally different way of thinking, and it's a reframe because it can be difficult when you've got that huge to-do list and that massive amount of pressure on you to to be doing everything, to be strategic, to do all the operational stuff, to keep the team happy. It's you just feel like sometimes you're just in that hamster wheel, don't you, on a day-to-day basis. And this tool, I think, is brilliant to refocus and go. Actually, what is going to be the what are going to be the easiest things to get off this list, and what's going to have the most impact? And that can be the most impact on team, business, on yourself. There's loads of different things that you can look at there. And I suppose with this, then, what scenarios would you use this in? There's so many, but we've picked four for the purposes of the podcast because otherwise we could be going for hours. So the first one I would say is when somebody is new into a role. So when you're new into a role, whether that's because you've been promoted or you've started in a new business, we've got our first 90 days episode and we'll link to that in the show notes. But we always talk about that kind of first 30 days, especially as being a real learning phase. So what you're wanting to do is to have those evaluations, create that understanding, knowing what might need to go into the plan. And if you approach that learning phase with this in mind, what this matrix can do is help you to shape and ask some really helpful additional questions because you don't just know what needs to be done. You can then ask those questions of, and what's going to be involved in doing that? And how much impact is that? Because you won't always have the context to answer the question when you're new of how much impact will it or won't it have. Some of these things will be things that might have been shelved and be handed over to you of now you're starting. Here you go. Here's your list of things that we want you to achieve or get done. Others will be things where I've worked with leaders that have gone into a business and either there's been a vacancy or there's been somebody in the role who perhaps wasn't performing brilliantly 
And so it feels every rock they turn over, it's like there's like more chaos, more things crawling out from under. It's just, I'm just going to put this back here and pretend I didn't see it. But what this does is it allows you, as you're going through that learning phase in a new role, to start to understand what questions do I need to ask? Can I evaluate how much effort it is? how much impact it will have. And if not, then you can ask the question so that you can have that evaluation. And then it starts to almost then put them into that priority. So again, your quick wins would be first. Coming after that, typically, or coming potentially alongside that, if there weren't many quick wins, would be your high effort, but also high impact. And these often are things that are bigger projects, things that can be chunked down, things that will take time, things where you might have stages of something that you need to do. So in those early days in a new role, this gives you a framework to start to almost plot and and see where do they all sit until I feel like I've got a fairly full picture and then I can make my plan. But I've been plotting them as I've been gaining that understanding and doing that evaluation. Yeah. And I think that's perfect in a new role because the easiest time I think is when you start a new role or when you're looking at new ways of prioritizing and new things to do is when you start a new role. It's so much easier to start off and make a change to the way that you've done things in the past because you can, because it's a new role. So you are able then to go, okay, this is what I'm going to do. These people don't know me. They don't know how I've worked before. So it's easier to to start using a new method than it can be if, if you're well established in your role. Like I always find while being the new person in a role can sometimes feel quite difficult because you want to get up to speed as quickly as possible and you want to get stuck in. I always think it's the best time because that's where you can create your boundaries, where you can really get stuck in, but without working loads of extra hours as well. Because using this tool, you will you'll be able to work less hours and make more impact. Such a good point about people not knowing when you're in a new role, whether you've used this as a tool before. And I think it can help with that confidence because people sometimes have a bit of a confidence wobble. We've talked about buyer's remorse and hitting the wall when you're in a new role. And I feel like this giving some structure to your evaluation can help to maintain that confidence And other people can see that you're taking quite a structured and measured approach. And you're so right about that is easier when you're doing that in a new role and it's different people who haven't seen how you were operating. So they're not comparing. They're just seeing this is how you are and this is how you operate and this is a tool that you use. Yeah, and I think that when you're doing that as well, when you're implementing those things and when you're trying them out and sharing those things with maybe with your new teams or your colleagues or whatever, a lot of the time you'll find that they didn't know what that tool was or didn't know it existed and it can be good for them as well. It's almost like sharing the love, isn't it? When you find something that is going to make your life easier, then you can share it with everyone else as well. What other scenarios then would we use this in or could we use this in? Another one for me is where you've got that situation where you want to get momentum. I had somebody who I was coaching a little while ago and they literally, it's like their brain was so full of all the stuff that they were trying to get to. And it was 
all things that were felt important, felt urgent. They absolutely live their life by a to-do list. And this was about how do I gain momentum on a few key things? And so what we did was exactly that post-it exercise that I described of, okay, let's plot them. And I'm quite famous for this with clients is the rule of three. Okay, you've plotted out all these things. You can pick three. And I remember the like the look of sheer horror of kind of, I can't just pick three. I can't just pick three. But the point of picking three is not that you're only going to do three. It's that you get your brain to have absolute clarity on what the first three things are. And it's almost that don't stop, don't pass go, do not collect 200 pounds, just focus on three. And within the next week, 10 days, lo and behold, the feedback was, oh my God, I can't believe how much progress I've made on those three things. And it was just really putting it into that framework and understanding where are the things that I can have the impact without having to put loads of effort meant that they were able to kickstart that momentum by just simply picking out the three top ones. But the natural thing is often to try and do, particularly in that piece of, so this was someone who was um, a global director, had lots of different committees and subcommittees that they were part of, had all of this strategic responsibility, but actually also had quite a significant responsibility with operational day-to-day stuff. They were very approachable, they were very supportive, and they ended up with a lot of people coming to them for a lot of other things, the whole, have you got five minutes type thing. And what the other thing that we then did there was looked at, okay, and of these other things that felt like they were contenders for the top three, Are there elements of that that your team could support you with? Are there elements of that that somebody else could get started on or where you could give them some direction rather than that sitting with your mental load? And I think that's the other benefit with this is that you will spot sometimes those opportunities for potentially other people to do something, to support you with something so that you can just get focused on those three And that's the secret to that kind of kickstarting momentum is that aspect of you're putting to bed, you've got the list of all the other things, so you're not going to forget them, you're not ignoring them, but you're putting to bed focusing energy and attention on them until such time as you picked off at least one of these. And then your brain has less to focus on. Away you go. Yeah, I love that. It's like carving up the responsibilities. So you go, okay, these are the things we're going to focus on, but actually... Do I need to focus on all of these things myself or can other people get involved? And then you're going to move the needle faster, aren't you? You're going to be able to get through more stuff and also get other people involved, which can also be great for their development too. And that just means that your head is clear. Like when you told me about picking the top three, that's something that I've been doing now for a while since you shared that with me because your your to-do list can get so overwhelming. And when you're just like, I'm focusing on the top three things and when they're done, I'm going to pick another three things and I'm going to keep moving through. And it does, it makes a massive difference because those to-do lists are absolute killers, aren't they? When you keep adding to it and you've got so much stuff on it and just the thought that you might forget something you might forget to come back to it later or you might forget to do it all together. Having those thoughts going through your mind can really 
like it's almost like a brain fog isn't it because you can't focus on things because you're just thinking about the whole list whereas when you just focused on those top three and then even prioritizing one thing out of them top three to get started on just makes a massive difference and I find that I get through a lot more stuff now doing that and it's not it, it doesn't feel as pressured you don't feel that massive amount of pressure when you open your notepads and you've got three pages <laughs> like I'm, I'm thinking back to, to my corporate days and I used to have a notepad and it could easily have three or four pages of a to-do list and I'd just open it every day and be like where am I going to start <laughs> And do I start at the top or do I start at the bottom or do I start in the middle? And usually the place that I started was the place where, or, or the point where people were shouting the loudest for it. So I'd open my emails and I'd be like, oh, okay, so you need that desperately. So that's going to become the priority. Or somebody comes up to your desk and they ask for something. So you right now that's the priority. Whereas now what I'll tend to do is I've got the top three things and I'm like, yeah, I'm still working on that thing it's still it's still on my radar however I am also I need to get these things finished first it's not I'm going to get to you but maybe it's going to be on Wednesday and Thursday or Wednesday or Thursday rather than I'm going to add it on to the day's workload and it does make a difference because you feel like you've got more structure in your day as well because you know what you're working on and when those things come in from the side that you're like yeah that's fine it's definitely going to be done but not right now or not today and I think that communication piece is also another real benefit of if you've got that real clarity on, here's my top three. These are the things now that are my quick wins. This is what I'm going after. And then you get a side swipe, something that comes in from nowhere. Then you can ask yourself the question, and there is some discipline to doing this, but you can ask yourself the question of, does this deserve, is this more of a quick win? Is this either higher impact or lower effort? Does this kind of outrank one of the three things that I'm working on? And if it's not, then you can communicate and you can go back to somebody and say, look, appreciate that is important. These are the things that I'm working on. And you don't have to share loads of detail and everything about all that you're doing, but it can be really helpful to sometimes go back. And what I've found is that often if you go back, something that somebody told you was like also crucial, if you actually go back and say, okay, these are the things that I've got on my list at the moment, which means I'll get to yours at this point, or I can do this element of it. Often what you'll find is people are just so much in that cold kind of panic zone that they don't necessarily even know what's needed, why it's needed, they're being quite reactive. And if you have that clarity of, well, these are the priorities that I'm currently working on, I can get to that at this point. And this is regardless of the effort impact matrix or urgent important or whatever else. If you push back, it's surprising how often something that was suddenly so important suddenly is not that important after all, or not that urgent after all, or is neither. Or sometimes it's that you've interpreted it as being urgent because somebody's asked to think there's a real drive with emails. People feel like or should have 
dealt with all my emails and I need to get back to people. And so emails often, people will try and bash through a load of emails and get back to people really quickly. And it's how important is that relative to how much of an impact is it going to have if you do that versus if you spend this half hour working on your number one priority. And so when you start to look at the impact of where you're choosing to to focus your energy and attention, sometimes those choices are different. Yeah, definitely. And I think just even just stopping to take the time to go, what are the quick wins? What do I need to to park? Because I think sometimes, I know I used to do this, put everything on the to-do list. So everything that I want to do, even if it's like not now, it's in, in the next 12 months, I'd put everything on the list. So the list would be absolutely huge. And then it's it just becomes so overwhelming. So even just kind of creating those, either creating the different lists or putting the post-its onto the the matrix or even setting up a Trello board where you've got like the whole to-do list and you can drag the cards into the different um, sections. So you're like, these are the quick wins or these are the priorities or this is what I'm working on. And then you can literally just move those things around, have another list that's completed. And then as you see the completed list become more full than the to-do list, you're like, yes, I'm finally winning. But I always think that, having that focus just makes such a difference and also just like having that conversation with yourself where you're like does this really need to be on the list I'm I'm putting it on just because I'm going to forget about it or does it actually need to be done yeah so so important the other thing with this matrix and the other time that this can really come into its own is when you're looking at restructuring a team when you're looking at carving up responsibilities So this could be as a result of somebody joining the team. It could be a result of somebody leaving the team. It could be somebody coming back from maternity leave, reducing their hours, going part-time, anything along those lines. But what it can help to do is then you can look at all of, and with this, you probably would just take all the business as usual stuff and think about where would you carve those up? Where would those things sit? And what this often does when you look at it across a team is you start to think about something that is low effort for one person might be high effort for another. So the impact is the same, but one person, because of their strengths and their skill set, maybe, for example, managing client accounts. There are some people who would absolutely relish managing client accounts and other people who oh it's a massive interruption to what I'm trying to get done and you can then have some of that conversation around dependent upon strengths and skill sets how does that feel for people what what needs to be done you'll also sometimes find that there's more than one person that's currently doing the same thing or overlapping things so you'll sometimes find when you look at this across a team that there's opportunity to streamline or change how things are done so that things are lower effort overall. And therefore, in terms of resourcing, it can help to just ease if you feel like things are starting to creak at the seams. This can be a really useful exercise because what it does when you discuss it as a team is helps people to understand their own and each other's priorities. And sometimes then it can be about not putting pressure on at certain times. So, for example, in a finance team, if you do management accounts every month, there'll always be certain times of the month where certain things are pretty pressured. And so, therefore, it might be a case of looking at how do you manage how that workload is 
separated and divvied up and there might be people that aren't involved in management accounts and it's just almost that awareness of how that all works together that can be really useful and really beneficial sometimes to have some of that conversation together about how those things can sit and how they sit for one person versus another. Yeah, I really like the idea of using it for the team as well because looking at it from that different perspective and it could be that when you start to carve up the different tasks and then you're looking at different skill sets and things like that's a real opportunity to see what skill sets have we got missing from the team or where do we want to develop people and it just takes it in in a whole new direction then as well because it, you're then developing the team you're working together as a team and it's all of that stuff that fits in so nicely with leadership and creating those high-performing teams when you're understanding the workload across the team because I know myself in the past when when we got together as a team when you bring different teams together what you'll find is there's always duplication of work there's always people that think things are important that are not necessarily important and it's, it's always a good opportunity to go what are our priorities what is our big focus what is the the vision for what we're trying to create or deliver here and then fitting it all into the matrix together then you this gives us the overall view but it also helps us to understand each other's roles and also understand where the gaps are and also i think from an engagement perspective it helps people to have that sense of recognition about the impact of things that they do because very often if people's doing something it's business as usual for them they can lose that connection with the impact and the reason why it's being done. And so actually, if as a team, you're plotting stuff and saying this is high impact in terms of contribution to the team, to the business, to our objectives, then that can be really motivating. And on the flip side, if you've got people where actually everything that they're being asked to do is in that kind of high effort, low impact matrix, that corner of the matrix, then that can potentially be pretty demoralizing. And if you've been frustrated with someone that they're not pepped and at their best every single day, and then you recognize, oh, hang on a minute, relatively speaking, actually, what could we do to enable them to have something that would give them a bit more of balance it with some things that are maybe lower effort and higher impact? How could, like you say, development, what opportunities are there? How could you maintain engagement within the team that for me is a real plus because so often a lot of the day-to-day work feels thankless but when you come back to this matrix it is actually high impact like if it wasn't done that would be a significant consequence so it can also help with that to feel like okay it is quite high effort but it is also really important that that stuff happens. It does have an impact. And if it wasn't there, that would be a problem. So at least then, even though it might feel high effort, at least you feel like, yeah, there's a contribution there that I'm making. Yeah, I love that. And everything that I do is thinking from a job search and CV writing perspective. And what I find loads of people do is they forget what they do on a day-to-day that is having a high impact so what they'll tend to do is they'll they'll just put on a list of responsibilities rather than thinking through what are the day-to-day things that I'm delivering that are having a really high impact on the business and they're the things that should be going on to the CV they're the things that should be getting talked about in interviews and job applications and things like that so just doing this as a way of kind of understanding where you are making an impact 
individually is a really great thing to do as well. So there we go. That's our final one then is actually use this matrix to think about creating your CV and thinking about what you need to include in terms of your experience and your contribution, because you will find that there are things that are there in the high impact and identifying that and articulating it both on your CV and in interviews as part of your job search is incredibly valuable. So thank you so much for joining us. We've covered an awful lot of ground today. So I hope that as a kind of framework has maybe been helpful and also perhaps got your brain ticking. If you are in that situation where you've got those strategic and operational responsibilities, we feel for you. We know that is often a big challenge. So we hope that as a tool will potentially be something that will help to maintain the the momentum on some of those really positive things and enable you to really recognize the impact of what you're doing. Thank you for listening. And we will be back again next time. In the meantime, if you have benefited, please do share this with anyone that you think would also appreciate it. And of course, please do like and review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for now. And we'll catch you next time.